everyone. My name is Dinah Jansen, and I'm in the virtual studio today with the Wool Gatherers, fiber artists Sadika DeMeyer and Amy Rubin, who are working on a stitched conversation through textile work that explores the imprints of their religious backgrounds, a journey they are also documenting on social media. Sadika and Amy, welcome. Hi, thanks for having us. So nice to be here. Thank you very much. So, okay, I've seen this project on Twitter. Tell us about Wool Gatherers and your inspirations to start this really fun stitched conversation. Take um, it away, Sadika. <laughs> thanks. Um, well, Amy and I have um, been friends for about 25 years or so. And um, we've both in that time have traveled into our own um, arts practices, mine primarily writing and Amy um, in the visual arts. And so we've long had it in mind to collaborate and to, to work together in some way. And um, talked about it, thought about it, and never really sort of struck the right sparks. But then finally, um, last summer, we met in Kingston to do a collaborative workshop to run one together and um, also to talk a little more seriously about this idea of working together. And then what kind of organically arose was that we've both been interested in the subject of being raised religiously. Um, Amy's background is Jewish and mine is Muslim Christian and revisiting, you know, what, why, what, what those backgrounds mean to us why we might have walked away from them, what, what draws us back into their material. And so that's what, um, what became the, the basis for, for this project. Maybe I'll let Amy explain the actual format or what we're doing, but that's the background to it. Okay, great. Thanks, Sadika. Amy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, as Sadika said, she's been mostly working in writing and I've been mostly in visual arts and specifically with textiles, but we've known each other for so long and I feel like, you know, Sadika was so instrumental in my beginnings in visual arts because she's, she's an amazing visual artist. And um, a lot of my work had incorporated text and stitched text. And we liked the idea of, you know, that, that we were living so far apart, but wanting to spend time thinking about these quite personal topics with, within the context of our friendship, where it, it felt safe, and, and with some time and space to really um, give, give it the room that, that it needed to have to, to hold for a while. And so we're stitching the conversations on a long piece of fabric, uh, we ask a question and then um, answer the question that the other person has sent us. So there's always an answer and then a question, mail it by snail mail. And then the question's answered and another question is posed. And the stitching is, I think for both of us, really connected to the traditions of, of textiles in, uh, in both of our backgrounds. And, and also just such a meditative process. And so there's kind of a spiritual element to the actual creating of it. And um, it's, it's also just kind of fun. It's getting longer and longer and kind of windier. And uh, 
it, it's fun to think of, of where it might end up and what might become of it. This, uh, thank you so much for talking about what the, or the practice of this actually looks like. So you have a very long piece of uh, linen, I'm assuming, uh, and that you're using like embroidery floss and other kinds of fibers to be able to stitch imagery and maybe some words into. Are you asking the questions in the actual fabric or are you saying, hey, answer this question, <laughs> writing it in a letter, and then the response gets stitched in. What does that look like? Um, yeah, no, we, we are actually stitching the questions, um, yeah, in, in a cursive writing on this long, long strip of fabric, and then it, they go in the mail. And um, yeah, in fact, as we go, we, you know, we're learning and slightly tweaking little moments of the method like that. So for example, we found that the interval between receiving a question and knowing how to answer that can that can be its own interval besides the stitching itself and so mm -hmm. what we've started to do now just so that we're not breaking on this until we're octogenarians is um is for example we you know we'll stitch the question put it in the mail and then email and say i'm asking you this so here you have a little bit of time to pre-think it and when the material is actually in your hands you might be a little closer to starting to sew because of course the sewing takes its own time as well and we both have well, we have kids and other work and so yeah makes sense so tell us can you give us some insights into what some of the questions and answers uh, have been so far tell us that can we get in on the conversation yeah, I'd love to tell you Amy's first question because I really liked it. And then Amy, maybe take it away from there. But um, she asked me, and may have to paraphrase now, but um, when someone asks um, your religion, what happens for you internally? Um, I thought that was a really lovely start to that idea of, you know, what place that, that even that word religion and the answer has come to inhabit inside of me after all these years. Okay, so thank you. Now we have a piece of linen that you have stitched upon. What does the response entail? What does it sound like? What does it look like? Yeah, so what, what I found with that question, I, I don't know if you can relate, Amy, was that I could have answered with, you know, paragraphs of material, right? There's a lot that comes up. And so part of the challenge of this medium is that, you know, you have to sort of word what you feel, distill it right down to its essence, because it can't be that long, you know, it, it, you can't stitch forever. And so I found it very, yeah, there's a challenge in that and also a very clarifying power. Say, if I have to answer this in one sentence or in a few phrases, what will it be? And so that I think in that answer, I spoke of feeling a sort of stirring of contradictions. And then, um, yeah, Amy had this thought at that point or somewhere in that process of um, potentially elaborating or illustrating visually on the sides of the text. So maybe do you want to talk about that, how that deepens an answer like that? But Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because um, it's each of the questions, it, it, they, they are so, um, you know, when, when I receive 
the questions, my mind goes in 50 different ways and I mean like, okay, how do I pare it down? And sometimes even in my response, I feel like there's something that not every viewer will necessarily understand. Um, so maybe this dovetails into, into one of the questions that Sadika asked me, which was, um, what is your earliest religious memory? something along those lines. And I had, you know, two that popped in my head. And then I thought one is such, is such a long story that that's just automatically off the table. Um, and then the other one I had was about uh, this, this particular uh, Jewish tradition. It, it's a prayer called the Shema. So if, if you've been raised in Judaism, if you say the Shema, people know what that means. But for most other people, how would you how would you know that? And so I felt like there needed to be a bit of a bit of a footnote. Um, and, and we had sort of talked about that because part of how we're, we're communicating, it, it's kind of um, interesting because it, it is so slow, but it feels kind of like texting, like just these little fragmented, you know, very to the point that without a whole lot of preamble. And um, in our early conversations, we were thinking about how with texts, you can add these visual elements. And we thought, you know, it might be enjoyable for us and for viewers to have these, these things inserted. So um, it could happen in the long, the long strip, as well as these adjacent pieces that we're making where we feel like there's something that um, would enrich the experience if um, if it was expressed sort of on its own. And also maybe, you know, depending on who's looking at it, some people, words are the, the pathway in and some people visuals is, is more resonant. So we wanted to make it as accessible as possible. Fantastic. So I'm kind of curious about another uh, path here. Now, Sadika, you're quite an accomplished poet, and Amy, you're an accomplished visual artist in your own rights. So how did fiber arts become a medium for this conversation about your religious roots? What can these tapestries essentially convey that perhaps visual arts and poetry might convey differently? Why did you choose this medium? Yeah, that's a really good question. Partly... Amy had worked in embroidered text before. And so for me, one impetus was just how much I admire those and love those works <laughs> that she's done in the past. And um, yeah, just being drawn to them. Um, and I think, um, yeah, we may just have slightly different answers to this or things to, to contribute to each other's answers. But partly for me, it was a meeting of our media. So, so there's the idea of that that visual presentation, but with text. And so part of our process too is learning from each other in this. And that's very much been the case for me that, you know, just learning specifically the embroidery techniques or how, you know, what to do and how to do it. Um, that's been a really interesting and fulfilling part. Yeah. And um, I also have a sort of feminist um, take on on the medium in the sense that you know we're having this conversation of from uh, about our backgrounds in these patriarchal religions where especially the people who are meant to be speaking of the traditions the, the theology are traditionally male and um 
this gives, you know, and our, our questions are uneducated. They're, you know, our backgrounds, like lots of people have sort of been, in some ways, we're separated from those traditions. We don't know as much as um, maybe people would have a few generations ago. So we're giving our words, which are like coming from the wrong people, who don't know that much and are figuring things out. We're giving them a status through the medium, you know, we're saying, well, it matters. It's still, it's worth putting in this devotion and time and energy to see what we think because we're, you know, we matter, but also we're not the only ones by far who have this kind of relationship with faith. So yeah, that's, I also find there's a beauty to putting those words into a lasting uh, material that, that also takes lots of time and effort to, to produce. Wonderful. Let's hear from you, Amy. Mm -hmm. um, I would certainly echo a lot of what Sadiqa said and, and maybe also add that um, if, if we look at history and we look at what sort of objects last, uh, things that are brick and mortar or metal, some of the more durable materials are the ones that can survive centuries or, or millennia. And uh, from my, my own limited <laughs> knowledge of, um, of the three traditions we're, we're working with, there's such a strong textile tradition, but they, they don't always they don't always last. And, um, you know, often, often it was uh, the women who were who were doing the, the textile work and and that that was less permanent. Um, and, and also that at least for part of the history of Judaism is that um, as different historical events happens, both very ancient and more recent, um, and some of the traditions were either banned or, or not allowed to really be done in public or, you know, public worship places were, were being uh, destroyed. A lot of the traditions started, they had to become portable and they had to become doable at home. So I feel like there's this tradition of making the personal life feel sacred and feel like it's it's something that is worthy of of worship and and that that can be very very personal and also sort of help help keep it going so that that feels like it plays in as well for me wow thank you both so much appreciate that so how can folks follow your progress in the conversation and I did see hints uh, via social media that there is also a possibility of participating and joining in the conversation somehow. How can we do so? Well, um, so Twitter was where we started and um, we, we have the beginning set up for um, Instagram and Facebook as well. So um, our, our little duo is called, uh, the wool gatherers. And so, um, it's also at gatherers wool. So you can find us any of those places. And what we're doing right now is sharing a combination of works in progress from, from the project, as well as pieces that we find that are inspirational to us. And, um, you know, I think as we sort of get into the rhythm of things, we are going to be sharing the questions in hopes that 
uh, people will also find them worth thinking about and, and sharing about to generate some discussion that's wider than just between the two of us. Oh, and maybe even do a little stitching of their own and post images and share them with you. Oh, that would be amazing. That's a great idea. Yeah, maybe a workshop of some kind to, to do that yeah. together. That would be fun. That would be a, an amazing interactive experience too. <laughs> So, yes, uh, everybody can get together and tell yarns <laughs> with the whole gatherers. <laughs> okay. Have you anything else to add about the project or, or, and where the conversation is going as we move into the new year? I, maybe I'll say that our, you know, our intended timeline to start is a year. And so we're a few months in, but um, we intend to keep going for at least that long. And yeah, we're really, um, the collaborative part, I mean, not between us, but, but, but with the com a wider community is really at its sort of very early stages. And we're both looking forward to seeing how that evolves and how people can, can become part of the conversation. Fun. Well, in the meantime, I hope your project does not get lost in the mail. <laughs> Are you sending this by priority post? I would be ever so nervous. <laughs> no, it's funny that... That came up, yeah, because I, I consider that another little act of faith, like to, yeah, we do put it in the regular mail and that feeling of being like, whoa, this is just a regular size envelope. Off it goes with the single stamp. I find it, you know, after all the t hours put into it. But, but yeah, to me, it's like a little symbolic moment of like, you know, not, not to elevate Canada Post to a deity by any means, but I'm like, I have faith in this gesture yeah <laughs> and you amy do you feel nervous about putting the, the the thin envelope into the the mailbox or i guess also there must be some anticipation checking your mailbox every day to see if it's arrived too yeah absolutely and and it was interesting because you know it's such a great feeling to have it done and i always feel so excited to put it in the mail and then you know i wander off back towards home and I often feel really, really kind of sad after, after I've sent it off and, um, you know, and, and that's sort of where the other, the other stitching is really helpful. It's, it's almost like a, a weird kind of emptiness syndrome of, you know, <laughs> off it goes and, and, you know, it's, it's definitely mitigated knowing that, uh, Sadiqa will, will receive it. And, and once she receives it, then, then that's, that feels really fantastic because yeah sometimes it's like oh man why didn't I do a priority post but that feels kind of I don't know you know even um the fabric that we've been working on some of it's linen and some of it's not because there's always this question of you know is it more authentic to use a, a fabric that's kind of in line with the tradition or is it more authentic to do what's historically was done, which is use what's available and probably most cheaply accessible, mm -hmm. right? So, so we're kind of always making these decisions of what feels like it's the spirit of the project. And so single stamp in the mail feels like it's in line with the heart of it. Awesome. As, a, as an aside too, this is a, a, a very artistic pen pal project, if you will, for our listeners out there. Sadika is in Kingston and Amy, you're down east. Where exactly are you? I'm in Nova Scotia, a tiny community called Bear River. Okay, so the, the 
we're doing interprovincial art here, folks. So that's what's happening as well. So it's not like they're uh, neighbors in Skeleton Park who can just walk, walk the piece over. It is, in fact, going in the mail. Uh, and what a lovely project to be doing, especially in uh, this particular year or two where we need to stay at home and, and be relatively uh, socially isolated. But it sounds like while you're connecting with uh, some of your own personal roots, familial roots, and religious roots, you're also connecting with each other in a fun, interesting, and very deep new way. So, yay you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so thank you very much. We've been talking with Sadika and Amy about their Wool Gatherers project. And yes, you can follow them on t Twitter as well as upcoming pages that they will have on Instagram and Facebook and learn more about how you can get in on the conversation too. Thank you, Sadika and Amy, for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The CFRC Podcast Network at podcast.cfrc.ca is brought to you by the generous support of the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences.